Good morning and welcome to the Patrick Henry Podcast, where we hold the international technocracy's feet to the fire, pointing out that they are the problem and not the solution in our new era, and that populism analytically has some things that really need saying. There's nothing in political risk I hate so much as a man-made crisis. There are going to be acts of God in the world, there are going to be accidents, there are going to be mistakes, and this is all to be expected in a world that is fallible, human, and full of things that don't go your way. But a man-made crisis, a crisis that is eminently avoidable but is the result of a wrong-headed, near-psychotic ideology in this point, is something that should be abhorred. And we've seen Sri Lanka dramatically in just the past week, which has gone from a success story relatively certainly over the last generation to a catastrophe in the last three months um, and their reasons for this. And the reasons really revolve around international technocracy and the Sri Lankan government's pathetic desire to suck up to Davos man, to a bunch of people who've never had to run anything really in their lives. And I remember this if you read the seminal book, The Best and the Brightest, about the catastrophe in Vietnam, an angry young man book on the left by the great writer David Halberstam, one of the conclusions that he draws, or at least implies, that I certainly ran into in my Washington days is that things that make sense within the Council on Foreign Relations boardrooms or within the White House or within the Senate or within the major think tanks that determine American foreign policy, decisions are crafted to make sense in those rooms, but those rooms often bear little resemblance to what's going on in the rest of the world. In other words, the Johnson administration curried favor, sought compromises, and crafted Vietnam policy to suit CFR, to suit what's going on in bureaucratic politics within the White House. And that was the goal. And rather secondarily, whether this made any sense or not in the jungles of Vietnam was only a second order problem. And that, that was the problem that rather than worrying about the world as it is, we worried about, a, worried about a bureaucratic world literally half a globe away. And that's what's happened in Sri Lanka. Yes, on the surface, this is a garden variety crisis, but that's only if you don't look deep, deeper, which is what we're planning to do now. Last week, a three-month economic crisis led to the dramatic storming of the presidential palace in Sri Lanka as President Gotabaya Rajapatska was forced to flee from the presidential palace and has now left the country along with his younger brother, Basil, the former finance minister. The Rajapaksas, the Rajapaksas have run, kind of been the Kennedy family of Sri Lanka and have run the place for the last through generations. But they went from this being a success story and their position being eminently secure in the blink of an eye in political risk terms in just the last three months Gotabaya Rajapatska went from being a hero to 80% of his people um, to being a goat and being forced from office. And in fact, things got so bad that when Rajapaksa tried to leave the country, he was stopped from doing so by customs officials who said he had to have his passport signed and stamped like anyone else. And so fearful was Gotabaya Rajapatska about going out into public where he feared being lynched that he refused to leave. And he was only, le only left from a military airbase fleeing into exile and one hopes soon resignation. And this has been the dramatic scenes as we've seen common people storming the palace and swimming in the opulent presidential pool. And so on the surface, from a Western media point of view, 
This is a story that's a garden variety developing world crisis, and indeed it has a lot of the hallmarks of that. There certainly was corrupt mismanagement and nepotism by the Rajapaksas, who had three to five, of, depending on how one counts, at one time. But overall, five members of the Rajapaksa family have held high government office under Gotabaya's administration, and that's nothing if not nepotism with the usual corruption. COVID um, interrupted tourism, which is a major staple of the Sri Lankan economy. The draconian, I would argue, overly draconian laws put in place in the West by our international technocracy, the Davos man elite, Anthony Fauci and others, the control freaks who were unelected, yet were determined to lock us down for years at a time. Well, part of the price you pay that they didn't factor in was the destruction of global tourism and the destruction of local economies such as Sri Lanka's. Third, there's been raging inflation um, as there's been economic mismanagement in Sri Lanka. Inflation hit a whopping 55% in June of this year. And the government has predictably, as often as the case in these crises, defaulted on its debts, and there have been rolling energy blackouts. All of this is true. All of this is garden variety. All of this is a little different than, say, Lebanon at the moment, another international basket case. But, and here is the but, the near-psychotic radical green agenda of an out-of-touch Davos elite is the key triggering event. All these pieces of dynamite were lying around, but the near-psychotic radical green agenda of the international technocracy was the match that, when struck, set the whole thing going sky high, leading to near-psychotic self-harm. Anyone should have known better. And yet this green agenda, which makes sense when you sit at Davos or at the meetings that I often attend, doesn't make a whole lot of sense out in the jungle of Sri Lanka. And this is another Halberstam effect. An international elite, a bunch of Marie Antoinettes who say let them eat cake and talk only to themselves, don't know a lot about jungle economies such as Sri Lanka, as we saw this last week. And the tragedy of this, this isn't funny, it's tragic because normal people are hurt by an agenda that bears no resemblance to the world as it's actually lived. Um, the Rajapatskas lost support because the key to their Kennedy family-like support came precisely from the rural voters who have been most hurt by the collapse of the rural economy by, by Rajapatska tout tipping his cap to Davos man. And this led to the end of their grip on the country's politics. This hit their key constituency. So that's the foreground. But what's the background? The background was an April decision in 2021 by Pre President Rajapatska to try to make Davos man love him, to become a net zero nation, as though this made sense in a country where paddy fields and rice are still the basis for farming production. And so to make them happy and become a net zero nation, he chose to ban unilaterally and without any notice all chemical fertilizers and pesticides. I, I'm going to repeat this because it's extraordinary. Rajapatska tipping his cap to Davos man and the extreme green agenda, which doesn't make a lot of sense for the jungle economy of Sri Lanka, chose to ban unilaterally and without notice all chemical fertilizers and pesticides. And this was to lead to Sri Lanka becoming a bastion of organic farming, that on a dime, Sri Lanka would give up its centuries of agrarian farming 
And on a dime, because Davos men would like this, we would ignore local Sri Lankan history, culture, sociology, ethnology, psychology, macroeconomics, and politics. Just ignore all that and do what the left does at the moment. Mandate things without explaining how to get from A to B. And only in the end, there were widespread protests predictably in November. So the ban lasted only from April 2021 to November 2021. There were widespread protests at this as farmers began to realize what this was doing to them. But the damage had already been done. Only a trickle of fertilizers made it to, to the farms over that critical year. And this has led now that the harvest is in to around a 30% decline in paddy yields nationwide. That without pesticides and without fertilizer, there was inevitably going to be a massive decline in paddy yields, and it's gone down 30% over the past year. Food prices, on the other hand, have, as you might guess, gone up by an astronomical 80%. This hurts the middle class. This hurts the lower class. And this was at the behest of Davos folks who want to buy the organic sticker on their bananas, not realizing that the jungle economy of Sri Lanka doesn't change on a dime, and certainly not in a matter of historical minutes, and food prices predictably shot up 80%. Over the past year, half a million Sri Lankans have paid the price by being plunged into poverty. They've gone below the poverty line, again, predictably in this man-made crisis. Half a million Sri Lankans have been plunged into poverty. Food prices have gone up 80%. As paddy yields have gone down 30%, none of this is the garden variety mismanagement, corruption, nepotism, increase in inflation, and government defaults. The triggering event is Sri Lanka wanting to be organic, wanting to please Davos men and the international technocracy. And in the ham-fisted way they've done that, half a million real Sri Lankans have suffered. Hence, the erosion of support for the Rajapatska family hence the storming of the international palace, of the presidential palace, and hence Gotabaya Rajapatska fleeing the country just this past day. All of this is foreseeable. Um, 90% of Sri Lankan farmers used fertilizers, so most farmers were not organic. The overwhelming number, 90% of Sri Lankan farmers used fertilizers and pesticides, and so this was a hit at the jugular vein of Sri Lankan farming itself, and predictably this crippled yields, as we've said. In 2019, Sri Lanka produced 3.5 billion kilos of rice. 3.5 billion kilos in 2019. In 2021, it is expected that the decline in the kilos of rice will be down by an astronomical, gut-wrenching 43%. 43% down in terms of rice production, which is the staple of the Sri Lankan economy. And 70% of Sri Lanka's population depends directly or indirectly on farming. So this not only hit at the jugular of the farming community, but the, the jugular of Sri Lanka's economy itself. And that explains the precipitous fall from a middle-income country on the mend rising to the basket case we see today. And the tragedy is that this was due indirectly to Davos man. As a result of this, uh, the people in Sri Lanka sacking the palace are actually revolting against the dangerous, out-of-touch worldview 
of the international technocracy, which is what the Patrick Henry podcast is designed to point out, that if you mandate outcomes without explaining local culture, history, politics, ethnology, sociology, macro and microeconomics, if you don't explain these specifics and just unilaterally globally mandate things without explaining how you get from A to B, you get what Halberstam described as a Vietnam situation. Things that make sense in Davos, things that make sense among green conference holders, talking to Greta, a woman who attended school less than anyone we've ever known, who couldn't name you three members of the Chinese Communist Party who actually are doing the polluting at the moment, but again, the green technocracy, Davos man, wants to feel good rather than do good. And here, feeling good has led to catastrophe, as predictably it does if you ignore local, global conditions around the world. If you assume the world is all one thing, we have one global problem to deal with, and you don't look at specific local conditions on the ground, as Lawrence of Arabia did in one of my prouder books, is my biography of Lawrence of Arabia, and as Lawrence stressed, you have to always, when dealing with developing peoples, or developed peoples for that matter, look at the specifics. And this is what we do in political risk. Stop seeing the world as a whole and look at the variegated differences. Only by doing that, rather than opposing one-size-fits-all mandates, which predictably lead to catastrophe. When you think about Sri Lanka from a Western point of view, which has almost no knowledge of the country, one thinks of the Indiana Jones movies that were filmed there, the bridge over the River Kwai, the great David Lean film was filmed there. You think of a place to film actual jungles that still exist. This is a long cry from the Davos boardroom. And yet these decisions that were made in Davos and ratified by the Rajapatska family have led to ruination because they bear absolutely no resemblance. As Halberstam pointed out in Washington over Vietnam, the Sri Lankan crisis with the decisions made in Davos and among the international technocracy who blindly mandate outcomes without looking at how they're going to be put into place. And then we wonder why things fall apart. It's the technocracy. It's Davos man who should be ejected. And I am entirely heart and soul with the protesters in Sri Lanka who like the Canadian farmers, the Dutch farmers, you see a pattern forming here of angry, populist, incohate anger. But frankly, it ought to be directed at this out-of-touch elite that is mandating things that are ruining ways of life and ruining economics so they can feel good rather than do good. Sri Lanka has paid the price for the near-psychotic radical green agenda of this out-of-touch Davos elite. That is what explains the Rajapatskas finally being ejected from power. Not the usual garden variety, corruption, mismanagement, um, inflation getting out of control, defaulting on your debts. Again, Lebanon, Pakistan have these things. Why did the crisis explode? What triggered it? All these conditions are there. And yes, there's plenty of dynamite lying around Lebanon and Pakistan, countries we watch like a hawk in case they go up. But the reason that it was Sri Lanka specifically in political risk terms. The reason it went up and not Lebanon and not Pakistan was the insane desire of the Rajapatskas to please Davos man, to move directly, clumsily, immediately to organic farming without looking at the price that would be paid by half a million people who are now plunged into poverty. That is immoral. Sometimes feeling good leads directly to immorality and the Marie Antoinettes in Davos need to think long and hard before they mandate other things for the rest of the world. I doubt 
that Greta Thunberg could have named the members of the Rajapatska family, Gotabaya, Basil, et al., and yet the mandates she helped champion have led to their ruination, and more importantly, the ruination of the Sri Lankan people. We need to stop trying to feel good and actually do good. And to do good in political risk terms, we have to be realists. And a Lorenzian cornerstone of realism, as Lawrence of Arabia made clear, was looking at the many complexities of the world, the differences of the world, not the commonalities, and crafting policies that work with local cultures and not try to eradicate them. Thanks very much. Like getting that off my chest. Hope you enjoyed this Patrick Henry podcast. For those of you who did, please do subscribe. Many of you have, and we're incredibly grateful. And for those of you who subscribe, please do give the $70 a year that we're asking, the price of only one espresso a month for $70 a week for $70 a year. We can give you the foreign policy blog on Monday, the culture section, our next uh, album you have to listen to before you die is the Great First Doors album. Uh, the podcast here, the key podcast, Patrick Henry, or Around the World in 20 Minutes that we do on Wednesday, which is our flagship, uh, my friend uh, J.L. Ryder looking at the society on Thursday, and my great friend Publius looking at the economics on Friday. We've become a little local newspaper to the world, giving you cutting-edge, world-class, untoppable political risk. And for that, we only require $70 a year, and our community grows, and I love interacting with you all. Please do give. And please do enjoy comments like this when we make sense of the headlines of Sri Lanka, linking it to the deeper problem of an out-of-touch Davos technocracy, which has far too much power in the world and cares far too much about feeling good rather than going through the complexity of understanding the history of the world and then doing good. Thanks very much.